Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and thanks for being with us here on The Great America Show. Russian missiles, rockets, and bombs still pummeling Ukraine. Eleven days of hell raining down on Ukraine's people and their cities. Almost a million and a half Ukrainians have fled their country, the largest number of refugees since World War II. And the war goes on. One U.S. defense report that the Russians have fired 600 missiles already into Ukraine and almost all of the Russian forces that had been held in reserve on the border with Ukraine have now joined the fighting and are very much in the Russian war against Ukraine. The total of all Russian troops that were positioned in Russia, Belarus, and Moldova numbered 100 to 150,000 when that invasion began 12 days ago. Putin has thrown almost all into his war against Ukraine. The Ukrainian military and resistance forces continue to fight hard despite being outnumbered and facing far superior firepower. And Russia controls the skies, although Ukraine is reporting success in shooting down some enemy aircraft, as many as eight yesterday. The Europeans and the United States have now built up the flow of arms, ammunition, food, and supplies into Ukraine, as well as the anti-tank and anti-aircraft missiles that they need so much. President Zelensky wants more, of course, including jet fighters, which the White House and Poland have reportedly approved. Putin's reaction to that report was to order more missile strikes against airports. And President Biden, who has said that he wouldn't sanction Russian oil, is now under tremendous pressure from Capitol Hill to do so. Putin has already said Western sanctions are like an act of war. It's only reasonable to expect that he will react. I understand those political pressures on the White House, and I seldom agree with President Biden on his policies or decisions. But in this instance, I do. I obviously don't know his reasons or motivation for not banning Russian oil. But I do know the risk of the boycott is not trivial. And I believe those calling for the ban, the boycott, are doing so out of an anger that we all share. Or their own political reasons, which obviously I don't share. This is a time for President Biden to explain to the nation clearly his reasons for not banning Russian oil. And if he were to change his mind, to tell us what that ban will do to us and the world economy. I'll go first. And here's my thinking. President Biden would be making a mistake to sanction Russian oil because it would have only a negligible impact, in my opinion, on Putin's ability to wage war. And then only over time. Such a ban would have a major impact, however, on our economy. We already have gasoline prices at more than $4 a gallon. 
The ban would add, I would guess, anywhere from $1 to $3 within a matter of days. Those price increases would ripple through our economy within a matter of a week to 10 days at most, adding to the already high runaway inflation rate, unsettling already volatile markets and hitting our most vulnerable citizens hardest. The impact on the global economy and the markets would be just as damaging. And importantly, sanctions against Russia have not worked. Not once, not ever. Yet here we are. Putin's Russia is at war with Ukraine, and perhaps Europe is next. And we're talking about sanctions instead of how to stop Putin and his military. And whatever the answer is, I truly believe it won't be as easy as simply sanctioning Russian oil. All the other answers are hard, and most of them unthinkably so. In times of rising global tensions and even the possibility of war, Americans once put their partisan politics aside and came together as Americans. We did that for a short while, right after September 11th. But that ended with Iraq and Afghanistan. And not likely, in my opinion, at all, any chance of coming together. Not right now, not soon. Our country is divided. Our politics are running hot and the stakes are nothing less than the future of the nation. We're coming off a presidential election that half the country believes was rigged. We have a president who ran as an avuncular moderate, but is leading like a Marxist bomb thrower. And the Dems are driving partisan factionalism intensity higher with their January 6th committee and their obvious abuse of power. We'll take that up with one of the leading attorneys defending and helping many of the defendant demonstrators who are accused of rioting in the Capitol. Attorney Joe McBride is with us today. The upcoming January 6th hearings will be a partisan clash like we haven't seen since, oh, well, the days following November 8, 2000, or the second impeachment attempted by the radical Dems. These midterm elections will be critical to both parties. And historically, the party not in the White House picks up on average 26 seats in Congress, four seats in the Senate. And we have with us today one of the candidates who has his eye on one of those Senate seats. We're delighted to welcome Herschel Walker to the show, a great American, a successful businessman, a Hall of Fame football player. And he's now, for the first time in his life, a politician who's running for the Senate seat in Georgia that's now held by a Democrat, Senator Raphael Warnock, described by many as a socialist. Herschel, great to have you with us. Welcome to the Great America Show, and thanks for being with us. We, you've been running for office now for a while. You're, you're now a veteran. Uh, you had to have some trepidation about doing this, uh, as fearless as you are. Uh, what it, what's it been like for you to to be uh, a, a politician? Well, I'm gonna say something to you, and I probably wouldn't have said this a month ago. I feel this is the best thing I've ever done in my life, and that's over winning the Heisman, being on the Olympic team. is is the best thing I've ever done, and, and let me tell you the reason why is you know I got a chance as I said when I decided to run. I was wanted to go around the country, the state of Georgia, and listen to the people. And by me going around listening to the people, I sort of give them hope. I give them hope. And, you know, being a Christian, 
you know, that's all I ever wanted to do is, you know, it's not about Herschel Walker, it's about helping your fellow man. Right now in this country is hurting, the state of Georgia is hurting. You see it from all the things that's yeah. going on. And I got a chance to give people hope and I'm going to win this seat. Now, I don't care what people do, what they try to come after me. I'm going to win this seat and do what I can to get this country back to where it should be. Well, God bless you. Uh, that's a wonderful uh, philosophy and outlook. And we'd all do well to emulate Herschel Walker. Uh, you're, you're a lifelong Georgian. Uh, the, that reception that uh, that you're getting amongst the, the Georgians, uh, is it uniformly positive? It is. And that's what's so amazing. It's very uniformly positive. And as I go around the state talking to people, they're excited about it. I think you can see my fundraising and my my poll numbers and, you know, my opponents, they're not too happy with it. They're going to continue to say what they want to say. And what I say to them is, guys, I want to bring this party together. If I honestly felt that I couldn't win this race, I wouldn't have got in it. But I know I can win it. Yeah. I know I can win it. And and I like to bring them along with me and say, guys, get with me. Let's bring the Republican Party together because that's what we got to do. We can't do it uh, by going after each other. We can't do it by fighting. We got to come together as one. And get this country back together. I love America. I love this country because I've gotten the America's dream, and it can only happen here in America. And by going around yep. the state of Georgia, that's what the people are saying. And I'm like, guys, the people want this here. They want they want public safety. They want the same thing that most people want. But the only way we can get it is by coming together and not trying to divide each other. Well, I, you know, good for you. And I, again, I I agree with you 100. I think. And I'm so pleased to hear you speak of your own gratitude. I think it's one of the, the characteristics that's missing in so many people, not just office holders, uh, but uh, the, the voters themselves. There, there's just right now seems to be a lack of gratitude about the country that we live in, about the people that we live in this country with. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's so good to hear you express that. And I just wish that all Americans would think about how fortunate, no matter how little or how much they have, how just how grateful we have to be for this opportunity to make of ourselves whatever we can. You know, my wife said something to me and uh, and it, it has stood with me for a little bit and, and it really bothered me. But I, I met a young man from Ukraine and he was on one of my listening sessions, and he now become a United States citizen. But what's wild about it is he was arrested in his country for being a Christian. And it, I think the State Department got he and his family over here, and he's a chaplain for the police department. Well, what's wow. interesting, he said, uh, you know, in my country, I would have to pay someone to go to college. And he said, uh, I have to bribe someone. He said, I was shocked that I can go to college here, and I got an engineering degree. And he also said, he said, you know, in my country, he said, you know, uh, the government can go into the school and use different kind of uh, use our kids for test project. I mean, they can give them a vaccine shots for test project and testing on our kids without the parents consent. And wow. uh, by my wife telling me, Hersh, you got to educate people. And I said, guys, people are looking at the grass being green on the other side. And I'm here to tell you it's not. I'm not here to tell you that I'm trying to win this seat just to win this seat. I don't need a feather in my cap. I'm trying to win this seat because I want everyone to know. This is the greatest country in the world, and you can only get those dreams here in America. It can't happen anywhere else. And I'm not putting any other country down because it, I really don't care about no. that. I'm running for the Senate in Georgia, and I'm running for the Senate to represent the United States of America. Will I be compassionate with other countries? Yes, I will. But the first thing is first is the state of Georgia and the United States of America. 
Absolutely, uh, absolutely, and and it's great to hear a candidate, uh, a candidate particularly for the U.S. Senate, uh, say that. Herschel, I, I want to ask you, you. You mentioned your poll numbers. I mean, I've seen some strong poll numbers going into a primary. You may be setting some sort of records there too. Uh, you look like you are the uh, the uh, the runaway uh, uh, winner of the, the the nomination. What do you think? Well, you know, the poll numbers are looking great. And that's what I say to my opponent is, guys, I want to bring you guys. I want us to come together. I want us to go in and work together to win this seat. You know, uh, there's no doubt the people are speaking. And it's like, guys, why don't we listen to them? Let's listen to the people. Let's all come together and get ways that we can get this done. Because I think the people of Georgia know I can win this seat. I think the country from my, my, from my fundraising know I can win this seat. And I said, guys, let's win this seat. It is so, so important that we take Georgia back. Uh, Georgia is not a blue state. Georgia is a red state. And what's strange about it is, 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 is I'm going to continue to fight. doesn't matter what they do, what they say. I'm going to continue to fight. Well, and I have no doubt of it. And I don't think anyone who's followed you over the course of your life has any doubt about it. Uh, and you're going to have quite a fight uh, with the nomination and going into the general against Senator uh, Warnock. Uh, you know, he says uh, he won't renounce Marxism or socialism. There, what is what is your reaction to his statement about that? Well, I'm totally shocked. First of all, I'm shocked that he's a pastor. You know, he's a pastor in Martin Luther King Church, right? Who believes that you know he did what Martin Luther King fought about. Some of the things he seemed to be going against. You know, one of the first things that shocked me is his his way of saying that you know he believes in abortion. And he talks about there's no room for a doctor, a uh, a, a mother, and, a, and the government in, in the hospital. But what about the un, unborn child? What about the unborn child? And you're, you are a Christian. And in the Bible, I told someone, I said, do anyone think about the Ten Commandments anymore? Thou shalt not kill. And you never know who is being born. And, you know, uh, every life is important. Or let's go back to the Ten Commandments and you know, every man should be treated fairly. That's what it talks about in the Bible. You know, we cannot continue to do that. And the things this uh, Senator Warnock voted for, now he's got a record. He's got a record that he's going along with all these terrible things. You look at inflation, you look at the crime rate that's picked up, you look at kids not going to school, the supply line, you know, you look at all of these things. Well, that's his record. He's got to stand behind that. And, uh, you know, and, and right now that's happening. You know, I own a business. I know how to run a business. I've done well at running my business that I created from the ground up, you know, and I've traveled all over the world. You know, I've traveled during track and field, during the Olympics. You know, I've been on the Olympic team. And I said, I understand certain things that people don't realize I understand. I'm not just an athlete. I've been very blessed to, uh, to get a lot of it more experience under my belt. You know, and, and you started pretty early. You're, you know, a lot of people don't realize you were valedictorian of your class in high school, too. You, you well, I just... studied. I studied. I had to study. And that's why I want every American kid to have the right to have a good education, to have a good education, because that's what our Constitution gives you the right to have. And, yeah. you know, one of the things, Louie, and I don't want to go off subject, but right. I'm tired of hearing how they continue to put the African-American people down. And that's what I was going to say. My wife wants me to educate people. But we have our leaders, the president of the United States, saying, if you don't uh, agree with me, you're racist. Yeah. We have our leader talking about racism. You have our leader. You have our leaders voting to give people crack pipes. You know, what, what are we coming to? And, and what they're saying and giving you a, a crack pipe, 
that black people smoke crack. All black people don't smoke crack. I don't even know what crack is. I've never seen it. But the thing is, you have our leader saying that. You have our leader saying you're stupid because you don't know how to get an ID. They're talking about black people. And it's like, yep. guys, I want to educate you and let you know that's what our leaders are calling us. Well, I do know how to get an ID. And one of the things I want to give a shout out to the people out there, 2% of people are African-American don't have an ID. Let's be honest. And those that don't have an ID, instead of us being proactive, why don't we be proactive rather than reactive? If you don't have an ID right now and you want an ID to vote, come to and I will help you to get an ID because I want to better your life. I don't want to continue to put you down. I give you a crack pipe rather than putting you in a rehab facility to make your life better. I don't want to do that. I want to make your life better by helping you to get an ID so you can vote legally. I want to help you to get an ID so you can have a bank account, so you can get on an airplane, you can get a job. That's the reason I want to give you an ID. I don't want to keep holding you down. I want to help you to stand up. You know, uh, you're a smart man, Mr. Walker. That's the smartest idea I've heard from a candidate. Uh, either party uh, on the issue of voter ID, because, you know, I've always said to myself generally, well, sometimes I share it with the public, but I've always said it is really, it's, it's racism by condescension. It is uh, the tyranny of uh, low expectations. And I have never understood why uh, the African-American community leaders would put up with that for one doggone second. Uh, and I, I just want to commend you for, for your offer. Uh, well, let me say something you said that, that we may need to take back a little bit. And you said the African-American leaders. Well, who voted them as the African-American well, leaders? That's because the leader deal. would stand up and say, no more. They're not stupid. We're not stupid. And uh, we'll start fighting to help them get a job. You know, what happened with the also game being moved from Atlanta? Guys, who did that hurt? That hurt the, the small businesses. Well, then they walk it back and say, oh, no, 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 we didn't do that. Yeah, everything that happening in this country right now is hurting people that look like me. They're hurting the low-income people. They're hurting people that look like me. And I'm like, guys, wake up and put me in Washington. Go to teamherschel.com. Put me in Washington because I will fight and I'll continue to kick the can down the road, staying on the same thing, but trying to get something finished. Well, I, I, I got to say, Herschel, you got my vote. Uh, I wish I could vote in Georgia. Uh, I, I have to tell you, uh, I, I'm so impressed with your idea on voter ID. I, I can't even uh, express it, but I will uh, make sure that everybody hears what you've uh, proposed and what you've offered, because uh, I think it's very, very important to all of us. Let me, uh, let me just sum this up. Uh, the Democratic Party has moved in a direction I, I couldn't even imagine. I know Warnock is uh, a re reputedly a, a socialist, but I did not know that Joe Biden was a Marxist, an authoritarian. I mean, this party looks like I, I can't even describe what they are. Uh, I grew up in the ages of, you know, Scoop Jackson, where he was a moderate Democrat. There is no such thing, as far as I can see, in the Democratic Party any longer. Your thoughts on that? Well, you're 100% correct. We become a, a situation where we have, uh, if you're a Democrat, you're a Republican, you can't get along, you got to fight, you're either this way or that way. And because of the cancer culture that we have right now, it's more on the Democratic side. So you don't even hear the opposing opponent. You don't even hear what they got to say. And I said, that is not great for this country. This country was built on the foundation of the United States Constitution, which is the greatest, the second greatest thing written since the Bible. 
And I wish that our elected official would read it because they read it. They can see if they stand behind that, we can solve a lot of these problems. But yet we become so politicized that now I don't care what the Democrats agree on. I'm going to agree with it, even though it may be terrible for the United States of America. It may be terrible for the state of Georgia. Well, you can't you cannot do that when you say that you're a leader and you're elected by the people. You don't represent yourself. You're elected by the people to do what is right. And I said, that's the reason I'm going to Washington is to do what is right, not to just get along to get along. Like if I disagree with something that I think is going to hurt the Georgia, the Georgians or it's going to hurt this country, I'm going to really look into it and just say, no, I don't think that is great for what we need to be doing. Democratic policies, Biden policies, are they hurting Georgia right now? Oh, the Democrat policies are killing Georgia right now. You know, you look at the crime rate and, you know, people get sad when I say this, but it's the truth. And I tell people to look at, look at that. Most Democratic uh, cities that's ran now by Democratic leaders, crime has picked up. You know what's so funny? Crime has picked up. There's no food on the shelf. And look at, we gave up our, we're not energy independent anymore. We're not energy independent no more. We're now depending on people that don't like us to supply us with energy, to supply us with gas. You know, and I said, guys, we cannot live like that. Our inflation, you know, I know how you don't spend what you don't have. I know that you can't spend what you don't have. Well, that's what we're doing. We're spending it on these social issues. Look at this infrastructure bill. You know, they talked about infrastructure for a little money at the top of it. But at the bottom of that bill, they talked about trees. They talked about climate change. They talked about things that has nothing to do with the infrastructure, things that if people stop and look at it, we have some of the cleanest air, cleanest water of any country out there. So, guys, we need to look at this and take note of it, that we can't continue to spend money we don't have. And, and I said, you, and get, you go to the Olympics, one of the most proudest moments of my life. Yet we had uh, uh, Speaker Ms. Pelosi warning our athletes not to talk against this regime uh -huh. in China. And I stopped for a moment and I said, it is so amazing that you warn our athletes right before the opening ceremony. Why did you do that? You know, you're not there. Are you putting them in harm? Because here in America, we have the right to speak out whatever we want to do. It was amazing. You didn't tell them not to speak out against the American flag. You were okay with that. You were okay with it. I guarantee you China would laugh at it too if some of our athletes decided we don't want to stand for the American flag. You're okay with that. But you tell them don't speak out against China, which brought this pandemic to the United States of America and to so many other countries in this world. So why do we award a, a country for bad habits? We awarded them the Olympics. We yeah. changed the all-star game from, at, from Atlanta to Colorado, who got the worst, who worst in Georgia in the voting. Well, we give the Olympics to China, which they have slave labor. They have the, the, this pandemic, which has hurt the whole world. Yep. And yet you didn't say nothing about that. Yeah, it killed millions of people uh, without ever being held accountable. And, you know, shame on all of us uh, in the world uh, for not holding them accountable. And uh, for those uh, 900,000 Americans who were killed, you're exactly right. I, I'm, I'm curious about a, one conversation. Uh, apparently, Stacey Abrams said, Georgia is not a place where it can repeal school mask mandates, won't commit to repeal if she's governor. Uh, what is so different about Georgia where people, uh, people put up with a governor or a governor's a, a gubernatorial candidate who says, 
George is in a place where you do the smart thing for your children, uh, for your for your uh, for your citizens. You know what's so funny about that? Did you see the picture of Stacey Abrams with these school kids where her mask is off, that mask is on, and then she walked the bike and said, "Oh, I only took it off to take the picture." Well, you ain't tell the kids to take theirs off to take the picture, so it must not you taking it off just to take the picture. I would have told the kids to do that as well. Exactly. And then I see a video of our kids cheering when they were announced that, oh, you don't have to wear the mask anymore. Hey, our kids have to go to school. Do you know, realize what kind of mental issue is doing to our kids that they're not even now to socialize like they used to socialize or to do the things that they used to do with those masks off? So when a governor speaks like that, like I said early on, and so many ran cities, ran by Democrats, you see the crime rape is up. You see the, all the different things that have happened. Inflation is going off the roof. And it is just terrible. And I'm not, I'm not telling people that, you know what, you cannot, we cannot live like this. It's time for us to move forward and get over this. We got, you know, there's no doubt this pandemic is, is terrible. This pandemic has hurt this world. But sooner or later, we got to move on. And I'm saying, yes, we got to be careful with this pandemic, but we have to move on if we want to get some kind of uh, normalcy in this country. Herschel, I appreciate your time today. It's great to talk with you. I look forward to our next discussion as well. Uh, and I always learn something. Herschel, I appreciate it. Thank you for being with us. God bless you and God bless America. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I always enjoy to, to talk with you. You're a very intelligent man. And I want to encourage people to continue. Go to teamherschel.com, become a part of Team Herschel, and we're going to win this seat and get some normalcy back in this country. All right. Thank you very much, Herschel. All thank the very you. best. And we continue with the Great America Show. Stay right here. We want to invite you to sign up for our Great America Show Advisory and Newsletter. Simply go to ludobs.com. That's ludobs.com and click on the email newsletter button. It's as simple as that. And we'll send you our advisories and alerts as well as our weekly newsletter. I don't want to overstate anything, but I'm pretty sure you will absolutely sense at least a small positive change in your world outlook. We invite you to join us and stay in touch. We appreciate the time you spend with us, the time you and I share together in our quest to assure that truth, justice, and the American way prevail in this troubling uh, and often uh, difficult time, times of peril for our nation and our fellow citizens. Almost 800 of those citizens have been charged on various counts in the, uh, the January 6th uh, rally and subsequent riot on Capitol Hill. Uh, the Marxist leftists and donors and the activists and radical Dems all joining with corporate media to call those charged that day insurrectionists. We have with us today one of the attorneys representing a number of those charged, and he's helping several others with representation. Back with us is attorney Joe McBride to bring us up to date on what has been happening, in particular uh, with those who are still in custody, till, uh, certainly still ensnared in the legal system and the prison system. Joe, it's great to have you here on the Great America Show again. Uh, if you would give us uh, an update on the number of folks you're representing uh, who were arrested or charged uh, for activities that day. Uh, and and the current number of people, as you understand it, uh, being held in custody either in the D.C. jail or elsewhere. 
Thank you very much, Lou. It is uh, great to be here. And thanks, as always, for your continued uh, work and support. Um, you're you're a great a great guy and a patriot. And uh, I know that I speak on behalf of a lot of people when I say that we're thankful for your work as well. That's very kind. Thank you. So uh, I represent five individuals charged with uh, January 6th criminal uh, charges. They, they are criminal defendants uh, in D.C. District Court. Um, I am working now uh, in concert also with uh, John Kianaga. John Kianaga is an attorney um, out of the D.C. area. He's uh, also uh, an ex-Army uh, Ranger. John has uh, five uh, defendants as well. So together between John and I, uh, we, we represent 10 people jointly. Um, I will second seat some of John's trials. He will second seat some of mine. We're sharing information in terms of a, a, a co-defense or joint defense agreement, which enables us to work as a unit and pull together resources. So that that is a good, uh, a good thing. In terms of people who are locked up, the number rises every day. I think right now, approximately in the DC Gulag, there is somewhere around 45 people. And the number uh, across the United States uh, seems to be increasing. And it's certainly increased since the last time that we spoke. Uh, I know there's at least 15 or 20 more people who have been arrested and who are currently uh, awaiting uh, various bail hearings. So there's probably another 60 or so people, if not more, scattered across the country. And, and that number, uh, the expectation is that number will go up as well. You know, it, it's interesting that that number is rising. Uh, and I, I suppose we don't have any idea really at this point in aggregate uh, how many people have had charges against them dropped. I assume there would be a certain number of those as well. Uh, is, is there any way to to get to that number? Uh, because we're looking at the number of people charged and, and surely some of them have had charges dropped because they were just sort of uh, ensnared in a, a vast net that day. That, that's a great question, Lou. And I think the, the best answer is this. In terms of people who have actually been charged and then subsequently indicted, uh, to my knowledge, none of those charges have been dropped. There, there are I, I, over 700 people who have been charged at this point, and they haven't let go of, of a single case. In terms of people who were looked at and investigated and then not charged, uh, there is certainly uh, a, a fair number of those people. I, I want to say it's probably somewhere between 50 and 100, if not more. But those people are persons of interest to, to the defense uh, bar, for the January 6th defense bar, we'll call it. For instance, there are several uh, civilians or, or, or people who we don't know if they are civilians, Ray Epps being one of them, who, um, who participated uh, in the events of, of, of January 6th in a much more meaningful way or nefarious way than any of my guys have. But despite that reality, they have not been charged. The FBI has cleared them for any wrongdoing. And, you know, there's a big asterisk next to that. And then parentheses on what the hell is going on here. So, you know, we have uh, some serious questions about the people who have not been charged. But with regard to those who have been charged and indicted, the government hasn't let go of a single one. Uh, and your clients, uh are all of them uh, out of uh, out of jail right now? Are they free on uh, bond? 
Uh, no, Lou. Uh, Christopher Quaglin is currently incarcerated uh, or detained, I should say, in Northern Neck Regional Jail. And uh, Ryan Nichols is currently being held in what we're calling DC Guantanamo Bay or the DC Gulag. Uh, they have both been in jail for a very long time. Ryan has been there for over a year at this point. Oh my God. And, and Chris is, uh, is suffering badly in, 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 uh, in jail as well. The, the, the Northern Neck Regional Jail has, has not honored the fact that he's had celiac disease. And we spoke about this last time and he's, he's suffering a great deal. And because these guys have been held under these egregious conditions for this long, because Ryan has PTSD, and uh, is being psychologically abused and because Christopher has celiac disease and he's being denied proper medical treatment, we are going to be filing habeas motions in both of their cases, which amongst other things, challenge the, le the legality of their detention in terms of time, conditions, and duration, and also raise awareness to the fact that, hey, you're allowed to detain these guys and hold them for safekeeping, but you're not allowed to punish them. We only punish convicted persons in this country. And if you punish somebody pre-conviction, well, that's a violation of their rights of due process. And because of that, they should be released from jail. So those are some of the things we're going to be talking about in these motions. And, and what are their, the charges against them? Well, most of these guys at this point who are in have been charged with uh, assaulting officers at one point or another and or disrupting the the governmental proceeding and namely the certification vote that was taking place that day and then a bunch of in-between crimes disorderly conduct picketing parading you name it they, they throw the kitchen sink but the real big ones are the disrupting the electoral proceeding and the assault on officers now Sometimes when people hear the assault on officers charge, they get really uncomfortable. They're like, well, gee, if, you know, if these guys assaulted officers, maybe they should be held. Right. And I understand that reaction. Um, but, um, you know, we touched on this a little bit last time as well, but I'll say it again. If, uh, if Tom, the, 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 the postal guy and, and John, the school teacher and Joe, the lawyer and, and Cindy, the doctor all, all showed up to January 6th at the, at the Capitol that day, having no prior context with the criminal justice system. And then all of a sudden, for the first time in their 50, 60 or 40 something years of life, they're being charged with assaulting officers. You have to ask yourself, why did that happen? And the answer is clear is because in many situations, not in all situations, I'm not saying all Capitol Police or Metropolitan Police, but a significant number of them that day attacked civilians. The attacks were brutal. They were unprovoked. Um, and they often uh, resulted in serious injury and in five instances all resulted in death. So these people stepped up in defense of those other people because what they were seeing shocked them to the extent that they needed to involve themselves. Unfortunately, Do you have, do you have video evidence uh, for your clients uh, of their of the event or incidents uh, incident that occurred uh, uh, that they're charged with? Uh, yes, we have uh, we have video evidence of, of all of it. So, um, yeah, there there are uh, there's serious video evidence. So, so, so this could be adjudicated rather quickly, if only uh, you could get to trial, and if you could get them. Uh, well, I would. You know, you're talking about habeas corpus. Uh, 
it, it seems outrageous that if you've got exculpatory evidence that is clear and forthright, or at least even just mitigating, uh, it would seem like this is something that would be in the interest of the judicial system, uh, the legal system, the, uh, the, the penal system, for crying out loud, to move these people out of there. And certainly in the name of justice, someone should have already handled this in the course of the past year. Am I, am I just simply wrong? No, you're, you're, on the, you're on the right track and your, 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 your instincts are, are, are great. Uh, the, this is the situation. Uh, COVID-19 was used as a pretext okay. to delay everything. Um, and because COVID-19 was used as a pretext to delay everything, uh, the government was able to drag their feet drag its feet in, in terms of turning over discovery. Um, it turned it over incrementally and is still turning it over. And then very recently, they dumped a tremendous amount of information all on us at one time. Now, the government has had over a year to sit with this material, to monopolize it, to edit it, to disseminate it to us in a way that serves them and not our clients. And we have to um, build um, all of this from the ground up, search through it, parse through it, see what's advantageous, what's disadvantageous, what's innocuous, so on and so forth. That takes time. But because the government is now saying, oh, we've turned over all the information in this case, we're now ready for trial. The judges are pushing us out to trial. And many of us have said, hey, listen, judge, wait a minute here. Uh, we need some time to go through this information because you just dumped eight months worth of information on us. It, it is sad that uh, Christopher Quaglin is inside and it is sad that Ryan Nichols is inside and they shouldn't be, uh, but they are. But I have gotten each of those clients to, 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 to agree to the fact that we need to process this information in the most intelligent way possible. So please don't rush us. Give us the time that we need and let us tell you when we're ready at this point that, you know, in order for us to proceed to trial, because we need to process this information in the right way. The judges don't care. They've just said, hire more people. You're going to go to trial next month or in two months or whatever. They don't care. They haven't shown us an ounce of mercy. And this is this is tactical. The government knew exactly what it was doing. Delay, delay, delay until the COVID restrictions were were were. were alleviated, dump all the information on them at one time, crush the defense guys under the information because the judges are going to send them out to trial. And that's exactly what's happening. Do you, do you have unedited video that we could see on this broadcast? Uh, uh, so uh, the answer is, is, is yes uh, and no. So the way it worked... <laughs> If, if Joe, you, with answers like that, you're going to make me think I'm talking with a leading attorney. <laughs> the answer is, do I have the video in my possession? The answer is yes. Here, here, here's the issue. Um, because the government knows that the video hurts them, the government has filed for protective orders and all of the what it has labeled as highly sensitive material. So that has to do with closed captioned yep. footing, uh, body cams, so on and so forth. And because they've labeled it highly sensitive, they made it impossible for us to crowdsource the investigation process, meaning that I could release 20 videos to the public and appeal to the public and say, hey, if you guys want to help with January 6th related stuff, investigate these, look for these suspicious persons, help us parse through this video, and we can get that done in a week. But um, in order to prevent us from doing that and prevent the media from seeing the truth, 
they have filed for these protective orders. And every time I want to show somebody like you, Lou, a video, I have to get permission from the court. Um, and I have been successful in getting some of these things overturned. And, and, and but, but anytime I want to show you that's anything new, I can't do it without the court's permission and without tipping off the prosecution, which is, you know, it's ridiculous. It's straightforwardly what I wanted to do was to look at it and then be able to share with the audience of this podcast what I had seen. Uh, and uh, it, it, we're going to be adding video as a component to this podcast very soon. But in the interim, uh, just to describe it uh, is important. Uh, so I, I'm going to, uh, but anyway, so I understand exactly what you're saying. I'm sure the audience does as well. This is a very difficult situation. It's an unfair situation, both to uh, your clients, uh, to you, and to all of us who, uh, as Americans, we not only ask for justice, we demand justice, and we're not getting it. Uh, I happened, uh, you know, I, I talked with a number of the Congress people, congressmen and women, who have gone down to the DC jail, what they report back to us is just uh, harrowing uh, the treatment of people. It's resulted in the head of uh, the prisons uh, being replaced. I'm not, I'm not sure about the quality of the people who replaced them. Uh, we also know that they have a huge staff uh, uh, shortage uh, and it is a nightmare what these people are going through. Now, some of them may be guilty, but they're still American citizens, have rights and should be treated as Americans, uh, irrespective uh, of their uh, guilt or innocence. But the innocent, my God, they should be out of there now. Uh, it, it's, it's true. And under the meaning of the Bail Reform Act, even if you are not, quote unquote, innocent, right, you're still entitled to, the government has to prove each element of every crime charge beyond a reasonable doubt in court, in front of a jury of your peers, by the rule book. It's a, uh, you know, they, they, they have a tall order that they have to accomplish to prove somebody guilty of a crime in this country. And that is a good thing. Um, but unless you are an out and out flight risk or an actual danger to society, you should be able to fight these cases from the comfort of your home. And they have taken that away um, to, from these individuals and they are constitutionally entitled to do that. You well, know, let me ask you this, Joe, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, it occurs to me, what percentage uh, is best you can estimate? I'm not going to ask you about your clients per se, but I'm of the people who have been charged with uh, serious offenses. Uh, what percent of them would you say have uh, uh a history, uh, a, a rap sheet, uh, a record uh, of uh, previous offenses? I'd say uh, conservatively less than 2% and at the most probably less than 10%. Wow. Yeah, these guys, they, these people should not be in there. There is, there is no question about it. Um, they know that these people are not familiar with the criminal justice system, and they are betting that these guys are going to take pleas that are unfair to them in order to wrap this up uh, most expediently as possible because they simply don't want to be there um, any anymore. But that that's how the cover up happens. And that's how justice is averted. Um, and that that's not what should be happening. They, they shouldn't be leveraging the pretrial pretrial detention and torturing these guys. Um, while while they are there so that they'll take a bad plea deal. It's ridiculous. And, you know, when you have somebody like Ryan Nichols, who um, is a is a decorated veteran, uh, honorably discharged from the Marine Corps, spends 
75 to 80 days a year doing search and rescue work, rescuing people from storms and tornadoes and floods, runs a business in Texas where he employs second chancers. These are people who are former addicts or former felons um, and has two young kids at home. He, he shouldn't be there. And not only is he there, they've taken away the ability for his family to see him. And they've taken away the ability in person and they've taken the, the, away the ability for him to even see his family on a video call. Every other section of the jail, all of the detainees can see their families on a regular basis, either in person or via video conference. Ryan Nichols and Christopher Quaglin haven't been able to see their family in over a year. What why, is why, that about? Why is that? Why is because that? they're trying to break them, Lou. They're trying to break them. Uh, you know, this, this would be one thing of this jail we're in Tehran. It's in Washington, D.C., or it's in uh, other places, uh, Virginia uh, or wherever. But uh, if this is what we've got going, uh, and I want to give just pause here for a moment. And the last numbers I saw were from uh, NPR on this. 140 federal prosecutors working on the investigation of these people. 725 people that had been arrested initially, 165 pleaded guilty, most to misdemeanors. And by the way, uh, when Joe talked about uh, interrupting uh, the U.S. Congress or disrupting it in business, that is a felony, by the way. It is an absolute felony. Uh, and I'm sure that not a person among them knew, understood that uh, when they were there. But 70 people have been sentenced, only about 70. You may be able to update that, uh, Joe, but and 30 have received prison time and others with probation. Uh, this is this is justice at a snail's pace that, as you said from the outset, is uh, that incarceration time is punishment. Uh, and they haven't been found guilty in any one of those cases of anything. Uh, this is outrageous. And I don't understand why the Republican Party is not standing on the throats uh, of those uh, who are in charge of the of the penal system there in D.C. Uh, or throughout the Bureau of Prisons, demanding that they act like this is a constitutional republic. Well, they're not doing it because these people um, are objectively uh, the January 6th cohort. They're all it's the MAGA crowd. They're Trump supporters. And you obviously you have people on the left who hate President Trump. And then you have a whole lot of people on the right who hate him um, as well. And the idea is that if you stick up for these people, you are somehow by extension sticking up for President Trump as well. And they won't touch it with a hundred foot pole because they want nothing. Uh, their biggest fear um, in the entire universe is, uh, is is the return uh, of President Trump in 2024. And yeah, nobody right. wants to be associated with that. Well, you know what? They shouldn't want to be associated with the Democratic Party either. They shouldn't want to be associated uh, with uh, President Obama, President Biden, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, Joe Biden is uh, now president, but also was vice president. Shouldn't be want to be associated with the FBI, the Justice Department, because they are rank corrupted agencies and there is no question about it they've spied on a president they've spied to stop a uh, a donald trump candidacy uh and when he lost it's clear that they spied on him and broke the law there is such a rancid rot in washington dc 
and what the Democratic Party has done. Anyone who is proud of being a Democrat under those, those kinds of leaders, uh, I mean, we're talking about law firms, we're talking about establishment law firms, uh, the, the whitest of the white shoe firms. Uh, it's just ignorance, uh, it is arrogance, it is, as I said, rank corruption in this country, and we've all, as difficult as it is, have got to understand what we're dealing with. And what Joe is saying, uh, I think, is the absolute truth. Uh, we're dealing with, with politics uh, that is perfectly willing to crush every one of these people to get what they want ideologically and uh, as partisans. It, it's outrageous. It's just outrageous. It is outrageous. And a lot of these people are no longer loyal to our country. They are. Um, they're, they're loyal to this internationalist cohort. It's this internationalist socialist fascism. And they're yep. trying to impose their way of life on us by any means necessary. They're attacking and they have been attacking for a very long time all of our traditional values. Now they are jailing us. And by the way, look at it was going on at, you know, the in, 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 in Canada, you know, uh, Trudeau is, is a graduate of, of, of the Klaus Schwab Institute, the whole great reset cohort of people over there. And what you can't protest in the street, a bunch of truckers dancing to techno music in the street. And now they are debanking everybody and they're yep. declaring martial law over there. They're suspending civil liberties. In the name of what? It's horrific to see what we're witnessing in Canada. That country is no longer a free country. And those truckers are being brave. They're, they're standing tall. Uh, but also, when Joe Biden uh, sends a message to Justin Trudeau, be tough uh, and clean up that bridge and let commerce flow between our countries, uh, you know, he doesn't care one, one damn about those truckers or anything else, he just wants to move uh, the wares of the Chamber of Commerce and the Business Roundtable and Wall Street uh, and, the, and the citizens be damned. What do you think? I, I, I agree with you. I, I, and, and right now what's happening in Canada, this is, this is their January 6th moment. You know, January 6th here was a, was a protest against, you know, um, against the illegitimacy of, of, of the Biden presidency. And it was also a protest against the completely foreseeable danger that a Biden presidency would present to the world, such as starting World War III, such as going to fight over a border in a faraway land when we when when our our own border is being invaded at this very minute. But yet we want to go over and draw a black and white white line in between Ukraine and Russia. That makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever unless your objective is to destabilize the entire world and its economy and make things so difficult for everybody that they're going to force a change that none of us want anything to do with. A change that is not consistent with our way of life and with our way of being. Um, I have said this to everyone. I've been shouting this to the mountain, mountaintops for a long time. And it's, you know, to paraphrase what I've been saying, it's, it sounds something like this. Uh, people of God, and now is the time to prepare for what's coming because what's coming is not good. It's also the time to ask for forgiveness of sins for yourself, for those who you loved, and for the sins of the United States of America. To beg God for mercy because we have turned our back on him uh, for far too long, 
And uh, if you read uh, history, the rise and fall of empires and or biblical history alongside of it, you will see that there comes a breaking point where um, enough is enough and people are turned over to their own devices. And it's like, well, if you really want to see what the world is like when men are in charge, well, here you go. It's never a good thing. I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion for our country. I still think that there's hope. But I do believe in the very deepest core of my soul that um, absent God's uh, direct intervention and absent a spirit of repentance in this country, that that we may very well be in a situation that can't be fixed. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is a a stark statement and one that I think should should awaken a lot of people. Uh, but also, we are right now as a country. We are faced with greater dangers from within than we have ever faced from without. And as we look north to Canada, we see what uh, authoritarian government looks like. We are witnessing repression. And unfortunately, we look to our own nation's capital to see the repression uh, and the authoritarianism of the radical Dems, the left in this country, the Marxists who share both Marxism and a one world global order uh, with the left all around the world, the one worlders. It is not a pretty world they have in mind for the rest of us. Joe, I'm gonna give you the last word here uh, as we always do on this broadcast. Uh, your last word, your concluding thoughts as we wrap up here today. And I thank you so much uh, for bringing us up to date. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's always an honor to be with you, and, and, and thanks again for all the hard work that you do. To those of you who, who are listening and who care about um, what is going on, um, I ask you to, to please to pray and to uh, separate yourself from social media, separate yourself from, from your cell phones. If everybody in our country for, for one or two days, just turned our phones off and threw them in the, jaw, in the drawer, closed our laptops, walked away from our electronics. The powers that be who are controlling this situation would lose all control in a matter of hours. Um, they are, we're being controlled by our devices because we have an addiction to, our, to our, our electronic devices. This is what they are using to acquire information about accused persons. This is what they are using to require COVID-based passports. This is how they have access to our life. So I would encourage you to set aside time every day to separate yourselves from those devices, to dig into your faith-based beliefs, to spend time with your family, and to think about what you want for the future for yourself, not what that phone tells you that you should buy next week on Amazon or whatever it is. Uh, do not give up on America. Um, have faith uh, and believe and uh, please keep us uh, in your prayers. God bless you all, and thank you very much. Joe, first, amen, and thank you very much for being with us here today. We appreciate you sharing your thoughts and understanding of what is happening in this, uh, this nation's capital. It is a national disgrace. We thank you for everything you're doing to counteract it. And tomorrow, please join us when our special guest will be Mike Lindell. We'll be talking with Mike about his efforts to set the record straight on the presidential election of 2020 and Mike's efforts to make certain that this year in these important midterm elections and 2024, we won't see these elections rigged in any way. Lindell has a multi-million dollar strategy as well. He's rolling out, at least in part this week, 
you don't want to miss the founder and CEO of MyPillow, Mike Lindell. He's our guest here tomorrow. Please be with us. We'll have some fun as well. I guarantee it. Thanks for being with us. God bless you. And God bless America. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America Podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.